I spoke on um, the three marks of existence on a Friday night, but I know that this group and the Friday night group are not exactly the same. So I thought I'd bring it in today. So those three marks of existence would be um, impermanence, uh, dissatisfaction, and non-self. And impermanence, first of all, means that everything is changing. Every single cell in our body is changing. It's not the same as it was um, yesterday. Every um, tree, every flower, every leaf is also in a process of becoming. And um, every moment that we breathe in, it's like we're, it's a beginning of a life. And every time we breathe out, it's a death, it's a release, essentially. And as we're able to flow with that, we're able to accept that, then we're able to move without any res resistance um, among the great river of life. And that impermanence is essentially good news because without impermanence, there wouldn't be spring and there wouldn't be flowers. So then um, the next part is uh, non-self. And that means that um, you know, the idea that we have as being separate from each other is the source of suffering. You know, we're so certain of who we are and what we believe that it, it prevents us from seeing our connections. It, 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 we go into the world wishing to have our way. Well, what is our way? You know, would we even know it if, if we experienced it? And then um, the third, the third um, mark of existence is, um, it, it is sometimes expressed as nirvana is complete stillness. And that nirvana, if we're going to find it anywhere, we need to find it in the here and now. It's not a, a, a static place. It's that well-being where we're able to, to see both um, the praise and blame, giving and receiving, you know, as, as um, complementary. We're able to stay curious and open moment to moment without any agenda. And so that might look different than our ordinary notion of happiness. Uh, can we have a sense that everything is workable? That last Monday for the, um, the, the Open Gates and Collective, I talked about how in the Dogen's instructions to the Zen cook, the Tenso is praised because they can make a delicious meal with whatever ingredients are at hand. And so whereas in San Diego, we might weed our lawn and take out the dandelions, in the 
traditionals and temple, uh, the dandelions would be prized. The dandelions are very nutritious. And so they would cook with the dandelions. But even, even in those temples, there's a recipe for cooking with the crown of the dandelion, which is the, the stem part, um, the part where it connects to the ground. Most of us would not prize that. You know, I, I am happy to buy Mizuna greens at the market, but if they were selling the crowns of the dandelions, I'm not sure I would buy that. But actually being able to cook with everything is, is the way that we should live. And so right now within the quarantine situation, it's a little bit like cooking with the dandelion crown. You know, we have some raw material to work with. And maybe we haven't cooked in this way before, but absolutely we can do it. But it, it involves not only seeing the situation as workable, but also seeing what's going on within us as workable. Whatever emotions are coming up, rather than repressing them or identifying with them, that we see them as workable. And so in a practical way, what that means is when the emotions are arising, when we're uh, sitting, we're able to perceive them and be with them, witness those without repressing and without indulging. And as we do so, that act of witnessing the emotion is what's creating a healthy containment for it. Just as a mother creates a containment for her child, you know, compassionately witnesses and stays with the child in the, in the moments of beauty and the moments of difficulty without um, losing that healthy boundary and having um, a shared experience of tantrum or whatever it is. Just in that way, we can attend to our inner experience with compassion while realizing at the same time, we don't have to believe everything that we think, or we don't have to identify with the emotion that's going on. So there's a piece I like from um, Jack Kornfield's Path with Heart uh, that speaks to that in some way. He says, our bodies reflect the spirals and movement of the stars. We wake and sleep. The earth turns. The sun rises and sets. Menstrual cycles parallel the moon. Our hearts beat. Our breath moves in and out. Our cerebral spinal fluid washes our brain and spine, all in natural rhythms. Each state we encounter will come to the next. The chief means of entering them gracefully is to practice them mindfully over and over again. Like learning to ride a horse. Over and over again, walking, trotting, cantering, mounting and dismounting, starting and stopping <clears throat> until it becomes possible for us to move through life in a graceful and conscious way. 
In moving through these stages of our lives, we can learn to trust our heart to these cycles and their unfolding. As surely as we can trust roots to go down and leaves to push up through the earth in our garden. We can trust that each petal of a flower will open in the right order from outside to inside. <clears throat> we can trust that whatever calls our attention in practice will bring us what we need to live fully and genuinely in the timeless here and now. So, you know, I bring this up because sometimes as Zen students, we might have some idea of how things are supposed to look. You know, sometimes in California, we, we might talk about it in terms of looking good. And if we're having a spiritual practice that is genuine, sometimes it won't look like that looking good. You know, sometimes what is our authentic experience will be that we are fatigued or um, experience anxiety or restlessness. But can we stay with those feelings even when we are experiencing discomfort or would wish for something else? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing some counseling with someone who works with the public quite a lot. And at the same time is experiencing a significant loss in her life. And so I asked her, you know, it, it, it's, it, we agreed that there is something going on between the body and the emotions. I said, do you allow space for this grief to bubble up? You know, do you create space for yourself not to be on? And, and we agree that is just something that needed to happen. If we don't create space for the emotions, then what happens is we'll either project them onto, you know, another person, or we might somaticize, you know, we re repress, so then the, they come out through the body. And Yes, you know, in the, the traditional sutras, there are these great descriptions of people who have passed, you know, beyond that experience of um, having uh, a lot of emotion. You know, there are, are stories about people who have achieved pros profound states of absorption. Um, and that's lovely. But at this, as long as we have a physical body, you know, we are going to experience um, ebbs and flows. And the path to working with that, you know, that I've seen through any of the teachers that I've had that have been really genuine, you know, has been um, uh, directly uh, making contact with what's real in the here and now. And then not attaching to it. And then as we do so, we can find a kind of dynamic balance within that. 
we can witness what's going on with a kind of equanimity. It's all part of these greater cycles. You know, just as the stars move and the earth turns, the sun rises and sets. It's good to be part of all that. You know, what a miracle it is um, that there, there is anything and, and that this entire ecosystem, you know, this world we live in, this universe, is connected to natural rhythms. So in the midst of that, what I hope for all of us is that we make contact with a, a deep wholeness Um, you know, able to work with both the light and the dark, you, you know, the four seasons, you know, the times when we're in our full blossoming and the times when we um, might feel fatigued or um, quiet or sad or, you know, simply needing to be with what is. It, it's especially true now. Um, in the, the Buddhist sutras, they actually distinguish between rational anxiety and fear and irrational anxiety and fear. You know, there's a, a rational amount of fear that can help us to make the right choices at this time. There are many practices we can do and should do to make sure that we're not um, we're not bound by anxiety or fear. But when those emotions come up, sometimes it's a good heads up to us that there's something that needs to be attended to. And so by befriending our emotions, we have um, a much more dynamic emotional weather pattern and we can come out from this uh, crisis uh, deepened in our our humanity. You know, because we have known the full range of human experience, we can be with and witness another person in the fullness of their experience. And rather than this looking like um, the, the, a helper coming from above, it, it becomes a meeting of equals. You know, the shared humanity in me, meeting the shared humanity in you. So that's, those are the kind of um, thoughts um, that I've been having about the situation, you know, about our practice. Let me know your thoughts. <laughs>